you who are making your way up now. Uh, this is a special morning. It's Pentecost morning. And uh, our elder, Michael Madney, came to me over a month ago now, and he had an idea for this morning, for now, for Pentecost, that we would hear the Scripture this morning as the people who originally heard it in the moment heard it uh, in different languages. And so I'm going to invite Michael to come and, and share what we're going to do now with you. Now, this is an exciting moment for us as a congregation. We're going to have four different readers, people from our church, reading parts of Acts 2 in their mother tongue. And uh, we're going to have slides describing where they're from, what section, while it's going on. So we'll go seamlessly, but I'll just introduce the readers. And then at the end, we'll get a bonus language from Eric, and then I will read it all in English. So first, we'll have Christy Wynn reading in Vietnamese, then Alice Thivyanathan reading in Tamil from India, Tandi Manganda reading in Chichewa from Malawi, and Catherine Pluey-Smith reading in French from France. Lễ ngũ tuần đầu nhất, đến ngày lễ ngũ tuần, môn đồ nhóm lại tại một chỗ. Thình lình, có tiếng từ trời đến như tiếng gió thổi ào ào. Đầy khắp nhà môn đồ ngồi, các môn đồ thấy lưỡi rời rạc từng cái một, như lưỡi bằng lửa hiện ra, đậu trên mỗi người trong bọn mình. Hết thảy đều được đầy dẫy Đức Thánh Linh, khởi sự nói các thứ tiếng khác, theo như Đức Thánh Linh cho mình nói. வானத்திலிருந்து கீழிருக்கிற சகல தேசத்தாரிலும் இருந்து வந்த தெய்வ பக்தியுள்ள யூதர்கள் அப்பொழுது எருசலேமிலே வாசம் பண்ணினார்கள் அந்த சத்தம் உண்டான போது திரளான ஜனங்கள் கூடி வந்து தங்கள் தங்கள் பாஷையிலே அவர்கள் பேசுகிறதை அவரவர்கள் கேட்டபடியினாலே கலக்கமடைந்தார்கள் எல்லாரும் பிரமித்து ஆச்சரியப்பட்டு ஒருவரையொருவர் பார்த்து இதோ பேசுகிற இவர்கள் எல்லாரும் கலிலேயர் அல்லவா அப்படி இருக்க நம்மில் அவர்களுடைய ஜென்ம பாஷைகளிலே இவர்கள் பேச கேட்கிறோமே இதெப்படி பார்த்தரும் மேய்தரும் எலாமீத்தரும் மெசபத்தோமியா யுதேயா கபதோக்கியா பொந்து ஆசியா ஃப்ரிகியா பம்பிலியா எகிப்து என தேசத்தார்களும் சிறைன பட்டணத்தை சுற்றியிருக்கிற லிபியாவின் திசைகளிலே குடியிருக்கிறவர்களும் ரோ இங்கே சஞ்சரிக்கிற ரோமாபுரியரும் யூதரும் யூத மார்க்கத்தமைந்தவர்களும் கிரைத்தரும் அரேபியரும் ஆகிய நாம் நம்முடைய பாஷைகளிலே இவர்கள் தேவனுடைய மகத்துவங்களை பேச கேட்கிறோமே என்றார்கள் எல்லாரும் பிரமித்து சந்தேகப்பட்டு இது என்னமாய் முடியுமோ என்று ஒருவரோடு ஒருவர் சொல்லி கொண்டார்கள் மற்றவர்களோ இவர்கள் மதுபானத்தினால் நிறைந்திருக்கிறார்கள் என்று பரியாசம் பண்ணினார்கள் Chozizizwa cha Petro. Kuma Petro, anayimirira pamozi ndi kumi ndi mozi wo. Na kweza mawake, nane na kwa iyo, nati. Amuna inu ayuda, ndi inunose okara kwa anu kuyerusalemu. Kuiji, siji zindikiro 
kwa inu ijichisimikizike kwa inu ndipo cheranikuru mawanga pakuti awa sana ledzere monga muyesa inu pakuti ndi ola lachitatu lokha latsiku komatu ichi ndichimene chinanenedwa ndi mneneri yoweri Et il arrivera au dernier jour, dit Dieu, que je répandrai de mon esprit sur toute chair, et vos fils et vos filles prophétiseront, et vos jeunes hommes verront des visions, et vos vieillards songeront en songes. Et sur mes serviteurs et sur mes servantes, en ces jours-là, je répandrai de mon esprit. Et ils prophétiseront, et je montrerai des prodiges dans le ciel en haut, des signes sur la terre en bas, du sang et du feu, et une vapeur de fumée. Le soleil sera changé en ténèbres et la lune en sang avant que, je vienne, avant que vienne la grande et éclatante journée du Seigneur. And I thought I'd read the, the last verse once again in the, in the Greek that it was originally written in. Kai estas, estai, pas hasan apikalesatai, ta anama kuryu, so theisatai. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from the heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Other dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At, the sound, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on male servants and female servants. In those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you all so very much. Let's pray. 
Lord, we've heard your word. Some of it we didn't understand at all, but someone does. Lord, help us hear your word and understand it and it, it move into our hearts and be a part of the work of transformation in our lives. Guide as we consider your word that we've just heard. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds that we would be changed and grow and know you by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's the church's birthday. That's what we consider Pentecost because it, it's the day the church was born because it's the day that believers were first empowered by the Holy Spirit to become witnesses to Jesus. This morning we're gonna talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and it's because of this work in the heart of believers in Jesus the church was born. Not all of that work in the, of the Spirit is highlighted in this passage. Uh, a couple of the works of the Spirit I'm going to mention because they are so fundamental. John 14 does a great job of highlighting a couple of the key works of the Spirit because the first work of the Spirit is to justify the justification of the believer, of applying to us the, the work that Jesus had accomplished in his death and in his resurrection. Now, our relationship with God is declared right. And, and the primary, immediate, and, and overwhelming result of that is that God is present in the hearts and lives through the, to believers through the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit works regeneration. He works sanctification in our lives. We embark from the moment of our justification on the process of not only having our hearts declared right, but of being transformed to actually being holy through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's the rest of our lives until it's finally fulfilled in our deaths. Our character is transformed over time by the Holy Spirit present in our lives. So let's hold on to these two key things, the justification and the sanctification of the Lord applied to us until we come back to it in the end. This week, our passage focuses on another work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit through us as, as Corinthians says, for the common good. It is the empowerment through His presence in our lives to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It's the fulfillment of, of the word Jesus left to us at His ascension, just a chapter before this chapter, and, and that we would be His witnesses. And we'll be coming back to that in a, in a few weeks. The mission of the church starts here because this is the place where the Holy Spirit first manifests himself after the resurrection to, to empower people 
to be his witnesses, to do the mission of the church. This is an amazing picture, really. In the context of Scripture, this is an amazing picture. It is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. The last story in Genesis before God made the, a call and a covenant with Abraham and, and the story of redemption begins at that point. The last story before that, just previous to that, people came together to build a tower to heaven to glorify themselves. And God frustrated their efforts by giving them different languages so as to confuse them and make it too hard to accomplish. It's just not going to work that way. And, and, and it is a picture of the culminating effect of sin and the fall that despite our efforts to glorify ourselves, God frustrates our abilities to do that, to fulfill ourselves. Make, he makes it impossible to communicate well enough to come together in efforts of self-glorification. It's a clear picture of, of our self-glorification leading to the destruction of human community. It's the prevalent sin that destroys societies. It's the story that explains the works of racial and cultural superiority in our societies ever since. And we make an effort to become better and more important than others. And we are threatened when others try to simply claim that they, they even have as much value in existing as we do. It's an explanation and a picture of how fractured our world is. The Tower of Babel, is a, it's a powerful image of the whole history of fallen humanity. Now, at this scene of Pentecost, it's reversed. God reaches us where we are in our own languages, miraculously through the Spirit working in the church. And, and this is not an effort at self-glorification, of lifting up any one group above another, but of reaching out to, to all for the glorification of Jesus Christ, of the one who truly is worthy. Now, we're going to take a, a closer look at a couple of things from this passage, two things. The first is that the Spirit, it, it, the Spirit brings home, it makes real the glory and salvation of Jesus Christ to us. And secondly, the Spirit fills us and, and works through us to participate in that work in the world in sharing the glory of Jesus with others. First of all, the Spirit makes, brings home, He makes real the glory of Christ to us. Glory. Glory, very simply, glory means beauty and importance. Beauty and importance. The Spirit makes the glory of God real to us. He brings His glory home to our hearts. Consider what the biblical picture is by, what I, by which I say makes real or brings it home. 
Pentecost is, is one of the, the festivals in which the Jews and the believing non-Jews would come from all over the Roman Empire to Jerusalem. And they have a crowd gathered from all over the known world. They're all there, representing every known spoken language. And, and to celebrate this feast of Pentecost, which, is, which both gave thanks to God for the first harvest of barley of the year. It's pretty early, but it's the first harvest. But also, it commemorated the giving of the law at, San, at Sinai, which is the whole identity of the Jewish people. But what became clear in the centuries since that giving of the law at Sinai is that the law did not change hearts. It didn't, didn't change us. Both the justifying and sanctifying work of Christ now resides in our hearts. And God is now with us all the time by what the Spirit does as He falls upon us starting on that day. Now, here's another way of looking at it so, so, to see is, so as to see what it means for, for God to dwell in the hearts of believers through the, the presence of the Spirit that comes at Pentecost. I want us to do a little cultural work here and think of the difference between the modern world and the postmodern world. They, we both have into, in, in, uh, emphases. The biblical picture of what happens here at Pentecost is, is not going to be either one of those worlds. Our postmodern world has moved from the modern focus on thought to a focus on feelings, from a focus on truth to a focus on experience. Think of the modern world. I think, therefore, I am. Descartes said it, and that, that's really the phrase that characterized the modern world. It's, it's enlightenment rationalism. It, it, we just need to understand something to own it. Now, in, in even just the last generation or two, our key phrase is not I think, but I feel. I feel. Nothing matters but what we feel about things in the postmodern world. Now, we apply those to our spiritual lives in relationship with God. And rationalism and Presbyterianism, <laughs> us Presbyterians, we come with a focus on, on truth and thought. So we, we just need to understand something. And so let's have more Bible studies to, to help us understand. And then along comes the Pentecostal movement reflecting the changes that are coming and, and with a different focus. And all became focused on our experience of God. Let's, let's have prayer meetings and be overwhelmed by the healings and the tongues and the charismatic manifestations of the Spirit. And then the contemporary church became focused on having a great experience through which you would walk out of the sanctuary every Sunday having felt something. The problem is neither one of those, the modern or the postmodern, Neither one was, this, was a guarantee of the Spirit of God becoming real in our hearts. You can be moved by an incredible experience of God and have it not affect or reach 
your heart. And, and we've all seen that we can know all the right things and they not reach or transform our hearts. I love this picture of Pentecost. The Spirit falls upon believers in an undeniable, miraculous fashion. And they speak in languages that other people know. And, and they are Galileans. They are the backwater people of, of the world, of the Roman world. These are not educated people. They don't know all these languages. This is a miracle. And, and God is doing something. It is undeniably God. And it's an incredible experience of him. But what do they speak? What do they speak? They speak the truth about Jesus Christ. It's both truth and experience. But what really matters that it is the work of God in people's hearts and lives. When the Spirit makes real the glory of Jesus to us, the beauty and the importance hits us fully and becomes everything. I often tell stories that I've read or heard from the pastor Tim Keller. And before I tell my next one, I need to note that he passed away just this past week. And I'll come back to that in a few minutes. But right now, he told an interesting illustration about this idea that I've been speaking about. He had a friend who just wouldn't wear seatbelts. And he wrote, I have a brother-in-law. His name is Jim. One day, something came very clear to me. I sometimes visit him, and he never wears his seatbelt. I, I used to always kid him, why don't you wear your seatbelt? And he says, oh, I don't wear seatbelts. And one day I got in the car with him, and he immediately hooked up and said, get your seatbelt on. And I said, to what do we owe this great transformation of character? To what do we owe this obvious, substantial change to your personality? Something deep has happened to you. And he says, I'll tell you what happened. I went to see a friend of mine who didn't have a seatbelt on and who went through his windshield and who had something like 200 stitches in his face. Ever since I saw him in the hospital, I've always worn my seatbelt. Jim's a Christian, he goes on to write, and we sat and thought about this for a while, and I said, did you get new information? Is that what made the change? Did you not know that if you have your seatbelt on, if you, if you have your seatbelt on, 75% of all accidents which are fatal wouldn't be fatal? Didn't you know these statistics? He said, I knew it all. It wasn't that he got new information. It's just that the information became new. He had an experience of the information. It came home. It came home, what, to his emotions? Well, no. It came home to his heart. 
It came home to his center, and then it affected him emotionally because you can't have your heart affected without it affecting your, you emotionally, but you can be affected emotionally without it affecting your heart. Hear that? You can't be affected by truth in the heart without it affecting you emotionally because when it affects you in the heart, it affects everything. Your mind, it changes your thinking, it affects and stirs up your emotions, it changes your will or your behavior. You can't have truth affect your heart without it affecting your emotions, but you definitely can have it affect your emotions without it affecting your heart. Emotions, understanding, will, when the Spirit falls on believers, it reaches everything. It reaches your heart. The Spirit empowers. And the second thing is the Spirit empowers us to connect with people, to connect with others. Have you realized how hard it is to influence people at the deepest level? It's particularly noticeable in politics these days. And our different ideas about God include whole different ways of seeing our whole lives and our whole world. If, if all someone knows of life and of the world is the law and our shame culture, communicating grace to someone's heart, it, it's not merely an intellectual or just an emotional exercise. It, it takes a transformation of the heart that only the Spirit can do. Sermons themselves don't persuade or enlighten anyone. It is the Spirit moving through them to speak to people's hearts. I, I got to tell you, every time I pray before or after I read Scripture, I am very aware of this. I don't presume to be so eloquent, so smart, such a good writer, storyteller, or speaker so as to persuade anyone's heart. No one is, especially not me. But maybe, maybe God will use something and do that work through the Spirit. Because He chooses often to work through people to show others who He is to show His glory. As small and broken as it is, I may not think my witness could possibly reach anyone. But honestly, that's up to God. He gives us what we need to reach people. Sometimes it's the right words in a sermon, a, a conversation, just a comment. Sometimes it's the right moment to to touch them on the shoulder or not touch them at all, or prayer or, or language right out of the blue that we don't even know. It, it, it can be any of the gifts of wisdom, of faith and discernment, prophecy, healing, tongues, interpretation, and He opens the heart to acknowledging, to the knowledge and experience of the glory of God. 
In, in one sense, I'm, I'm stepping away from our, our sermon series, our, our focus on church vitality for this day of Pentecost. But this passage and this topic really lie at the heart of what it means to be the church. And, and it should make us clear that ours is always a work of the presence of God in us, changing us and reaching others, working through us to affect others. And this passage is a, is a perfect picture of the challenge before us. We've done work looking at who we are, to see who we are. And ultimately, at our best, we are people in whom the Spirit dwells in our hearts and in our lives. And we see also, through this process that we've been in, the community that surrounds us. Ever since I got here, I've been hearing about how diverse the community of Kent and Renton is. How about the, how it's the most or the second or the third most diverse community in the country. And on top of that, we know how our base culture and, and the generations have changed so much in just the last 50, the last 20, even the last three years since COVID began. And it seems like our church language is, is completely different so often than our surrounding community. And there's a divide that can seem impenetrable, a gulf that's too wide for us to cross. How can we reach and affect our community? It's a good thing for the Spirit, isn't it? A good thing that we're given what we need when we need it, when the Spirit dwells in us. I mentioned Tim Keller earlier. He's, his, he, his impact has reached far with his writing, but maybe the most significant movement of his life that will leave a legacy is his love for the church and for the communities that we're in, for the community that he was in. He planted a church in New York City decades ago, and it, and it had no conservative churches to speak of at that time when he started one. And it's a city that is characterized by many Americans, by many as, as the American city most hostile to faith. But that's not how he approached the city. Russell Moore, in an interview about Keller this week, said, he never treated New York as this hostile Sodom and Gomorrah. He treated it as a town where people were yearning and finding their yearnings unmet. And so he was always respectful. He always saw each person as created in the image of God and treated him with that layer of respect. And then finally, he had what the city was hungering for and didn't know it. He loved the people of New York, New York City with the love of Christ and the presence of Christ working through him. I gotta say, Seattle's not that different. And Keller is a wonderful model of a witness in today's modern American city. 
postmodern American city. Just keep praying, loving, and trusting, and let the Spirit work through you. For the community around us is yearning. Is, they don't know what they're even yearning for, but I believe we do when the Spirit dwells in us. Witness to God's presence in you. We started praying a few weeks ago. Pray at 6.35 and at any other time that God puts the ministry of this church in your hearts. And, let, and let's be praying for our ministry to the community that the Spirit would do miraculous things and show the glory of God to others. But let's make this personal and, and not just about us and our church. I put a sheet in your bulletins. It's a sheet of circles of relationships we have in our lives, and, and, and it's to help us map out the people we have in our lives. And I invite you to take that home. Take it home, write names in it, in those different places, whether they are the, the people in your life that are part of your family, part of your work, part of they're just acquaintances in all the other places. Write names in it and then do something. Even as you're writing the names, pray that one, two, three, or four of those names, God would put on your heart for those who don't know him, who need him, and pray for them, and keep praying for them. I've been shocked in my life by what God has done just this way whether it's family members, including my own dad, or acquaintances who I've met in passing, he may even give you the right words at the right time, or just show himself to them, even without that, because he's heard your prayers. He will certainly put those people in your heart. That is the Spirit working. The work of the Holy Spirit is primarily to make Jesus real to us in justification so that God will always be present in our hearts with us, in sanctification so that we can see his work transforming our character over time, in his gifts so that we can be used of God, that he would be real to others. God is not primarily concerned about us being wealthy or smart or comfortable or feel good or be secure and safe. In our consumer culture, those, are typically, those typically become the most important things to us because we're taught that we need those things materially so that we would pursue them with goods and services that couldn't be sold to us. But when Jesus is real to us, we have all the comfort we need. The Spirit is our comforter. We have all the security need we need. He is our protector. We have all the riches and life and health and everything we need when He's real to us. And we know 
and experience in our hearts the beauty, the importance, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, we read this story and we see that miracle work that you did so long ago at the, the birth of the church. But God, we are still the church. As, as diverse and challenging as that is in today's world, and it seems like it's getting ever more challenging, we need your spirit and its work in us and through us all the more. Show yourself to us through the work of your Spirit in our lives. And Lord, through that presence of your presence in our lives, may others see your glory, your salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ, your love and grace. May it pour out on them as it has us, as we've heard your voice, we've heard your word, and it's called us and changed us. <laughs> our understanding and our feelings, it's changed everything forever. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.